Well, hello there. Welcome to episode one, the very first of the Fiberworks podcast. My name is Catherine Knutson, and I am your host and the owner of the small bird workshop where I sell breed specific, single flock, and Canadian yarn and fiber. I sell a few other things besides just that, but Canadian yarn and fiber is at the heart of my business and just about everything I do. Today is November 28th, 2021, and I'm coming to you from Nanaimo, British Columbia, located on the east coast of Vancouver Island, on the traditional homelands of the Sunamo First Nations. I'm a knitter, a spinner, a dyer, a new weaver, despite the fact that I own three looms and still really don't know how to do much with any of them. I'm also a writer and a designer of knitting patterns. At the heart of just about everything I do, though, it's wool, especially Canadian wool, but sometimes wool from other places, rare breed wool, breed specific wool, non-superwash wool in particular. That's my jam. So I've been planning this podcast for a really long time, really long as in the first time I really talked about it was back in September of 2019. At the time, I was having a one-on-one business coaching session with Sarah M. Chappell of the Holistic Business Academy, and she challenged me to set a date. So I said November. November was when I was going to start my podcast. At the time, I did mean November 2019, but here it is November 2021 and still no podcast. So today's the day. Now, this is actually my second attempt to record this very first podcast. I recorded an episode yesterday and was trying to edit it and accidentally deleted it. So at the time, my impetus for recording was generated by an email that I received yesterday. And literally, I was playing with the software for recording, kind of gave up because I was getting frustrated, walked upstairs, saw the email turn around and came back downstairs because that email is what prompted me to take off my scaredy pants, which I've been wearing for a really long time, and put on my courageous pants and get to work. I'm going to be honest, this is a real stretch for me. I'm a pretty introverted person as a general rule, although if you can get me talking about wool, I may talk your ear off, hence podcast, I guess. But I've been really terrified of putting myself out here like this. I mean, when you publish something into internet land, it is there for all time. And what if I say something dumb? I'm probably going to say something dumb. So let's just apologize for that right now. I am sorry for saying something dumb. I'm also Canadian, so apologizing is part of my genetic and cultural makeup. So with that out of the way, yeah, this is a big stretch for me, but sometimes a big stretch is what's necessary. And because I got that email, I needed to do it. So here's what the scoop is. I sell yarn and fiber milled all over the world. Most of it comes from Canada, UK, and the US. And my ultimate goal is to have a completely 100% Canadian fiber and yarn business. Now, that's not something that's happening anytime soon. It's a long road to that goal. I suspect maybe two to three years might be realistic for that. But at the moment, I have to import yarn from other places because I simply can't get all the funding and, well, the wool to where it needs to go and with enough volume to maintain my business. But 
Getting Canadian wool into the hands of Canadian crafters really is my mission. Too much of our Canadian fibre ends up in landfills, or worse, it ends up being burnt by the farmer. Back in 2019, when I was first learning to spin, one of the things I did was go to a local fall fair with the plan of talking to shepherds about their wool because I had been trying to get some, particularly yarn, because at the time I was still very new to spinning and wasn't sure I wanted to knit with what I was spinning at that point. And my local yarn shops, none of them carried local yarn or fiber. So I figured I had to do it myself. The Shepherds were really surprised to talk to me. They didn't realize anyone had any interest in their wool and they were burning it or sending it to the landfill. Now, when I talk about this and tell this story at workshops, the reaction is usually an audible gasp and maybe even some physical recoil. But this is a story that I hear all the time. In fact, I heard it yesterday. So, if you happen to have visited my booth at yarn festivals, you may have been introduced to Polypay yarn. I had some on hand. It was from a test batch that I got spun up for me by Rosebud River Fiber Mill. Uh, Rosebud River Fiber Mill is in Alberta. And it was a single fleece that got shipped to me by a shepherd who has, I think, about 50 head of Polypay sheep. Now, Polypay have really nice fiber. They produce a friendly, bouncy, lofty wool with lots of spring and softness. And that first batch really was a test batch because at the time, that shepherd was sending his entire clip to the landfill. I think he's been burning some of it, but... Yesterday, I sent him an email because I hadn't heard from him. And indeed, he had sheared a sheep and he had about 500 pounds of fleece. And he was surprised that I wanted it. And he said that if he couldn't get rid of it soon, he was going to burn it. Now, that's not a threat or anything. That's just logistics. Fleece takes up space. 500 pounds of fleece takes up a lot of space. And for farmers who view their wool as just waste and a nuisance, I can understand thinking, I just have to get this stuff out of here because it's taking up room that I could be using for feed or for bedding or for storage or for all the other things that a person might need that space for on a farm. So my immediate reaction was, please don't burn it yet. Let's talk about it. But then reality set in. How would I pay for 500 pounds of fleece? Now, granted, probably not all of it is worth sending to the mill. But even so, how do I pay for that? How would I ship it? How do I store it? I've already spent my fleece budget for the year and I've got lots of batches of yarn at the mills right now. So budgeting for that is always a big challenge to make sure that I've got the funds available, especially right now when there aren't a lot of fiber festivals. Next year, if all goes well, it should be really nice and busy. But right now it's a slow time of the year for me because everybody's already into their gift knitting and that sort of stuff. But on the other hand, you know, this is a really big problem. Good fleece really soft fleece is getting wasted, which is such a shame since wool is one of the most environmentally friendly fibers in the world. And we really need more of that, I think. So I spent some time playing with my podcasting gear and trying to get this all figured out. And here it is, episode one, in which I talk to you about polypay wool and a few other things that I've got going on. Now, before I get too far along with this, I expect there's going to be a fairly steep learning curve here. I can already hear myself saying um more times than I like, and I hope that I'll get better at editing as I go along. But in the meantime, I'll just apologize for hiccups, weird noises, any strange things that happen, because, to quote Sarah M. Chapel, done is better than perfect. And despite being a closet perfectionist, I can't expect 
that I'll be anywhere close to good for a good long while. So I thank you for your patience. I hope you'll stick with me as I try to get things sorted out and it will get better. I promise you that. Now, back to Polypay. They're a relatively new sheep breed. They were developed in Idaho in the 1970s by two brothers, the Hewlett brothers, and their aim was to develop a large carcass meat sheep that also had some pretty nice wool. So what they did is they chose four breeds of existing sheep. They crossed Targhees with Dorsets, and Targhees have a really nice, soft, fine wool that's super bouncy, and Dorsets are a down breed, but they also have a really nice, crimpy, soft wool, and they're a large-bodied sheep. So that was the first set of crossings. And then they crossed Rambolets, which are also known as French Merinos, so another fine wool breed, to Finn sheep. Now, Finn sheep also have pretty nice fiber, but they're also known for being highly productive, as in having multiple lambs every lambing season. So they crossed those first, and then they took the offspring, and they crossed those. And the result was a really nice sheep that produced soft fiber and was really popular both with the meat industry because of course that's where shepherds actually make money. Wool is not where they make money. But it had really good commercial spinning applications because it was a nice, consistent, bouncy, crimpy fiber that was quite strong. It didn't want to break um, when it was milled, unlike some of the other fine wools. Now, this information comes to you courtesy of the Fleece and Fiber Sourcebook by Deb Robeson and Carol Acarius, which is a great great resource if you happen to be interested in breed-specific fibers and yarns. I can't recommend it enough. So also from the Fleece and Fiber Source book, they list the micron range for polypay wool between 22 and 29 microns. Now a micron is a unit of measurement that in this case indicates the diameter of the individual fiber and a micron equals 1000 millimeters so it's really really small now i haven't had the fleece from alberta that i had spun up tested um, for micron fineness i will get that done in the future but to give you a general idea uh, average human hair is somewhere between 75 and 100 microns And merino, well, most of the commercially available merino that you see in your yarn stores is somewhere between 19 and 23 microns. So polypay is a little um, stronger than merino. And it's a really good workhorse yarn. It's good for things like blankets and sweaters, hats and cowls. I found it really comfortable to wear next to skin. But of course, everybody's sensitivity is a little bit different. Because it's a really lofty yarn, it's also very warm. Loftiness indicates that there's lots of air trapped between the fibers, and that's an insulating property. In terms of natural color, polypays are usually white, although I have heard of a few gray and black polypays, but they are few and far between. And it's a really fun fiber to dye. It really soaks up the dye and shows color really nicely. Some of the fine wools tend to be quite matte and don't tend to take color in a really brilliant way, and that wasn't my experience with polypay. It really loved the saturated colors. And for me, being a saturated color fan, it was quite fun. Now, that first test batch of yarn sold really well. I was very pleased. People really liked the feel of it. But it's one thing to buy a single fleece and quite something else to buy, I don't know, say 100 pounds of fiber. 
This is part of the process that a lot of people don't see on a daily basis. It's what I do, so of course I'm used to it. So for those who haven't walked this journey before, here's what happens when I buy a fleece. So first of all, I arrange for the purchase price from the shepherd. And if I've worked with the shepherd before and I know the quality of the yarn I'm working with, Sometimes I'll get it shipped directly to the mill, but if I haven't worked with the fiber before, I want to have a look at it first. So I'll get it shipped to me and I'll go over it and I'll see if it needs skirting and that sort of thing. And then I'll ship it to the mill. Now, that is a complication in and of itself, because at the moment we don't have a mill on Vancouver Island. I know that there's some in the works, but I don't think they're going to be open, say, in the next year. Maybe, maybe if we're lucky. But at the moment, my closest mill is in Kamloops, which is about 700 kilometers and a ferry ride away from where I live. So good old Canada Post, I usually vacuum seal the fleeces in large Ziploc bags, the kind that you'd use for duvets, and stick it in the mail. Now, fortunately, surprisingly, it's not that costly to ship. It's less than taking the ferry to Vancouver. So that's always my yardstick for costs with shipping. Does it cost me less than the ferry? Good. No problem. But you know, I'd rather not ship fiber if I don't have to. Unfortunately, in Canada, it's just one of those things because our fiber mills are few and far between. So we have one in Kamloops, we have a couple in Alberta, there's one in Manitoba run by Anna Hunter of Longway Homestead. And there are a couple in Ontario. They all do different things. So once I see that fleece, that's when I make the decision of where I'm going to send it. Some of the mills require me to pay a deposit up front. Usually it's for washing the fleece because of course they have costs right away. So I pay that and then I wait and I wait and sometimes I wait a long time. Usually fiber processing from the time that the fiber arrives at the mill is anywhere between six months to two years. Yes, two years. That's because our mills are busy and they're getting busier all the time. Most of our mills are really small. They are tiny in comparison to most of the mills in the UK and minuscule compared to the big commercial mills in Europe or overseas. They're usually run by a really small crew, maybe one person in some of the cases, maybe two or three at most. And while they do a great job, there's only so much they can do. Their equipment can only handle so much fleece. So waiting is part of the process. Now, during that time, I try to be patient and I do a lot of crossing of fingers because I never know what's actually going to come back. When I send a fleece in, I generally have an idea of what I'd like done with it. And of course, I generally discuss that with a mill. They email me if something I've requested might be problematic. But until that fiber's actually been processed into roving or yarn, I never quite know if it's going to turn out the way I hope it'll turn out. I have a pretty good idea, but there are always hiccups. And, you know, sometimes I'll get a yarn back and I've asked for a fingering weight and it comes back as DK or the mill owner thought it would be better as a two ply and I was hoping for a three ply. Things happen. The other thing is that once I get it back, will it sell? That's ultimately the big question and the big risk. I never quite know. I hope it will, of course, and I wouldn't have sent it to the mill if I didn't believe into the fiber. But it's one thing for me choosing fleece that I like, and it's something completely different, dyeing it up and putting it in the hands of consumers. I hope you all will like what I do, but it's possible you may not. It's a big gamble. I never really know. And it's one of the scariest things of what I do, putting that money out there and then waiting and then hoping that someone's going to buy it. Thus, this podcast. So I can tell you about what I'm working on and how it's going and what I've got in the pipeline and all the joys and the frustrations of doing this kind of work. 
It is, by and large, really joyous most of the time. But there are days when I really feel like, what am I doing here? Now, at the moment, I'm waiting to hear back from that polypay shepherd about how much wool he has. I think it's about 500 pounds. That's what we were talking about earlier in the year. And whether he's willing to do ping tests for me. So a ping test is used to gauge whether a fleece is sound. And what soundness means is, is it strong enough to be processed into fiber or yarn? So to conduct a ping test, you take a lock of fleece, hold the tip in one hand, hold the butt end, which is the end that was closest to the sheep before it was sheared, in the other hand, and you tug on it. Now, if the fleece is sound, it makes sort of a ping or a snap or a whoop. To me, it always sounds like it's going whoop. That's a sign that the fleece is sound and it's strong enough to be spun and not fall apart and tear and break because all those little tears and breaks turn into pills and we do not want that in our fiber or our yarn. Now, if I have a fleece that's unsound, it won't pass the pink test. It'll just break apart in my hands and I know that that fleece is really not good for much more than composting or maybe felting. I don't generally supply felters, although felters, if you're interested in fiber, do let me know. But for my purposes, an unsound fleece isn't very useful. So I'm hoping that he'll do that for me, but I'll have to wait and see. And of course, the bigger issue for me is how do I fund this? Because of course, it's one thing to purchase a single fleece and something else entirely to buy, say, I don't know, 100 pounds. That's a pretty significant investment. And maybe for some businesses, it wouldn't be a huge deal. But for me, I'm still very small and I've got lots of projects on the go. So I will keep you updated as things progress because who knows, I'm really hoping I'll be able to make it work and purchase the fleece because I don't want that fleece burned. I want that fleece employed. Yes, wool employment specialist. Now that leads me to some of the other things I'll be talking about here on the podcast. Like many podcasts, I'll be including works in progress and designs in progress because yes, after a long hiatus, I am back at design work. I'm also hoping to talk to other fiber people because people do interesting things. And I like learning about what others are up to and how they play with fiber. I'm also hoping to have some of the shepherds I work with on the podcast and some of the mill owners because that's a side of the yarn and fiber business that most people don't get a chance to see and Peering behind the curtain is interesting. Finding out what they do and how it all works, I always enjoy that. And I really want to shed some light on the people who are doing the hard work. Some days it feels like what I do is really hard, but it's nothing compared to raising livestock. That's a really hard thing to do. Lots of work. Really rewarding, of course, otherwise people wouldn't do it. But, you know, I think we need to cheer on the people who are doing that super hard work. Now, pertinent to the discussion about polypay and how I'm funding it and all that good stuff, I will have a section called Shop Talk because I do run a business that sells yarn and fiber. And in order for that business to thrive and to grow and for me to continue what I do, I need to sell yarn and fiber. So for today's Shop Talk, I'd like to introduce Barn Owl. Barn Owl is a newly released yarn base um, that's brand new into the shop. I think I released it on Friday. It's 100% Canadian wool and it's spun by Wellington Fibers in Alora, Ontario. It's sourced from a small flock that has Dorset and Coopworth in its genetic background, which means that the yarn is bouncy and shiny and strong and it's quite soft. Those with super sensitive skin might find it a little bit too much, but I have no problem wearing it. And 
wearing it, I will be indeed because I'm just finished knitting a sweater with it and I cast on a second right away. It's fingering weight, three ply, non superwash, and has 405 yards per skein. And it's basically the exact same yarn as my Barn Swallow, which some of you may have met before. Barn Swallow is my 70% wool, 30% mohair sock yarn. So these two yarns can actually be used interchangeably. They're just a little bit different because the Barn Owl doesn't have the mohair in it. And I've done that deliberately because there are people who are sensitive to mohair. I am not one of them, but I want everybody to be able to enjoy Canadian wool. So there we go. I think that's it for Shop Talk. Oh no, I also just added a small batch of 70% Saskatchewan Targi, 30% Mulberry Silk DK weight yarn to the shop. It was spun by that darn yarn mill in Kamloops and it's a special batch because the proceeds from the sale of that yarn I'm putting directly towards a large-scale Targi project that I've got on the go. Like I said, funding all of these projects that I work on is a challenge. Trying to make sure I've got enough money to cover all the costs of everything until I can recoup the sales through yarn sales. So that's in the shop. The people who were at the West Coast Nest Knitting Retreat did get first dibs. They were the first to see it. So some of the colorways are already gone. But I think there's sweater quantity still available in a few of the colors. And the nice thing about that yarn, um, Targi's a really bouncy, lofty fiber. It's probably one of the bounciest that I've met. And again, because of that, there's lots of air in the yarn. And there's a really good yardage for those skeins. There are 320 yards per skein and that's DK weight. So, you know, one skein goes a long way. If you have wanted to try Canadian wool, but you've been a little afraid of being too itchy for your skin, that is a yarn to try because that 30% mulberry silk really makes it absolutely dreamy. Oh, if you're a fan of that Barnswell sock yarn, the 70-30 wool mohair, I've got a new batch that arrived from the mill last week and I'm going to be dyeing it this week. So there will be more of that in stock soon. Now, not every episode is going to be like this one or maybe it will. I don't know. I'll sort of let things unfold organically. But I hope to have regular segments and my plan is to publish on a bi-weekly basis. That may change when I get into yarn festival season where my schedule gets really hectic. But because I'm hoping to have some interview episodes, hopefully I'll be able to pre-record those and it won't be much of an issue. But for now, episode one is just about done. And that feels really good, you know. I'm really excited to actually get this out there and I hope it resonates with you. So that's all for now, Fiber Friends. Thank you so much for tuning in. Should you wish to get in touch, I will have a designated email for the podcast at some point. But at the present time, feel free to drop me an email at smallbirdworkshop at gmail.com or contact me via DM on Instagram at smallbirdworkshop. Those are the two places where I'm most readily available, and it would be great to hear from you. I will also be having a question and answer segment as a regular part of my podcast. So if there's a question you've always wanted to ask about yarn, fiber, spinning, weaving, etc., please don't hesitate to send it to me. I can't promise that I'll have the answer, but I know people who will, and it would be fun to bring some other voices into the podcast. Thank you so much. Stay tuned for episode two. Thanks.